Welcome to the Backyard Buddhist Podcast. I'm Ron Powell McLean. Welcome, time travelers. I've decided that I'm calling all of us time travelers now because we pretty much spend our lives <laughs> in in either the past or the future. That's my that's my humor for the day. So, <laughs> so welcome, time traveler. I thought I'd tell you a story today. One that's um, it continually comes up in my in my understanding, and I I often think about this imagery when I'm practicing kind of my own path and teaching others. So it was a few years back, and I had just taken vows in the Zen tradition with a teacher in Kansas City and I had planned a vacation with my husband Darren he was my partner at the time before we were married to visit his mom in Bradenton Florida whom I absolutely love I think she's one of the coolest women I know we had our intentions set on just relaxation rather than a lot of doing or a lot of sightseeing or anything like that. At the top of our list was the goal that we were going to Coquina Beach on Anna Maria Island every day. I'm happy to share that our time there, we spent a lot of time just doing that just us and with his mom too, which was great. I remember as I found a seat on the sand, I was immediately reminded that Lama Suryadas often says that watching water is the best natural meditation that there is. As I settled down watching the water, I was first transported to Kauai, where I had spent a week sometime back with my friend Will, practicing and meditating on the north shore of the island. I remembered how different the water was each day and that no day was exactly the same. Sometimes it was calm and other days rough with large waves. I'd been reading the book Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind by Shunru Suzuki. In it, he says, even though waves arise, the essence of your mind is pure. It is just like clear water with a few waves. Actually, water always has waves. Waves are the practice of water. To speak of waves apart from water or water apart from waves is a delusion. Water and waves are one. Big mind and small mind are one. When you understand your mind in this way, you have some security of your feeling. A mind with waves in it is not 
a disturbed mind, but actually an amplified one. Whatever you experience is an expression of big mind. So after reading this, I was thinking of a time sitting in a hall and leading a guided meditation where I asked the participants to picture a pool of water and I urged them to imagine the thoughts, feelings and emotions as ripples on, on the water. I asked them to let the ripples settle so that the water appeared like glass. It sounds pretty, doesn't it? And what I realized over time is how impractical that visualization actually was. We know that even though sometimes water may appear to be as smooth as glass, that below the surface, there's always motion and activity. So I sat on that beach day after day, watching the water. I was watching water do what water does. There's no separation between the wave and the water. One does not exist without the other. For me to stand on that beach and attempt to calm those waves would have been absolutely futile and absurd. Expecting that I could change the nature of the waves would simply be an exercise in the creation of my own suffering. So I watched water doing what water does each day different. Some days big waves, some days small. I thought about the causes and conditions that may have caused the water to behave like this. Boats move the water and create waves. Fish create motion that creates waves. The seafloor and objects within it have an effect on its nature and motion, motion. I began comparing the water to some of the ways that I have been suffering. As many of us do, I have a few frustrating and challenging relationships. I considered each of those relationships and how they were just like this water. Water doing what water does. Just like the water, there are causes and conditions that make people act like people. During my beach experience, I would wade into the water and the first day or two, the water was relatively calm and felt good to be in. Other days, the waves would hit me hard and knock me off balance. I felt the frustration of wave after wave hitting me. I was still comparing the experience with my relationships and, and I thought, how do I change this experience of being knocked around by the waves? The answer is that I had to change my interaction with the waves. By wading out of the water and standing near it, 
the experience was much different. I was no longer being pushed around and could appreciate the beauty of the nature of the waves and water itself. My attempt to alter the nature of those people in those relationships is just like standing on the beach expecting that my will and persistence will be able to manipulate that water in any way apart from its true nature. Surprisingly, I found this realization to be quite calming for me. It's not mine to change others to fit my comfort. I've learned that the best way to control something is simply allow it. Not ignore it, but allow it. Accepting the true nature of things as they are and even appreciating the complexity of that state is compassionate awareness in action. Each week in our practice, we say the refuge prayer, which states that we can take refuge in the three jewels, the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. This triple gem is the faith that our Buddha nature the teachings that point out that nature and the community that supports that nature are the most supported and protected thing that we can seek refuge in. Tubton Chodron says that it is wise to take refuge in the Buddha, Dharma and Sangha for their reliable and non-deceptive objects of our refuge. By turning to them for spiritual direction, we will not be led astray because they embody full wisdom and compassion. Just as I can find the nature of water within the wave, I can also rest assured that I can rely on the truth of our innate Buddha nature. It often appears that this nature is hidden in a far off place or that it will take a lifetime or more to awaken it. We suffer by our need to calm the waves. Instead, we can even ride on the crest of the wave of awareness of these teachings and the community that not only support, but protect our collective awakened nature knowing that the wave of our reality is connected, contained and interdependent of the water of our nature. There is no separation, yet our continual suffering is caused by our resistance to allow the water to have waves and the waves to contain water. It's a true example that it is what it is. There's no separation from the way things are with the way we are. Causes and conditions will continually affect the waves in our water. We can take refuge in the truth that there is no separation. Everything is interdependent and we can take shelter in that. 
we can seek refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, as it is what it is. Nothing more and nothing less. I think about those times of reflection and the number of relationships that have been challenging over the years and the friends that seem to have been lost along the way. It's still tough. It's still tough to think about those who have maybe come against us, take us down a notch or resent us for whatever. These humans are just arising. All of us are just arising from that ultimate Buddha nature arising and settling, looking very separate, but never really being separate, just like us. As always, I try to utilize my own experience as the sandbox where I can play and learn and learn to understand human nature. I can understand it on a first name basis because I am a wave arising from that water. Just as all the other waves are arising from the same water. So to know my own wave and to know my own humanity is to know those other beings. I think that there is an opportunity for some incredible contemplation. When we think about our nature in comparison to an ocean and its waves. There's a Zen saying that says, the wave is free when it realizes it's part of the sea. There's also a saying that says, in one drop of water are found all the secrets of the ocean. And this, this contemplation and thinking about ourselves, our, and I will say our relative selves, in comparison to this ocean, which I will also compare to our ultimate nature, our Buddha nature. This is often referred to as big mind and small mind. And what this means, if you haven't contemplated on that particular um, thought yet, small mind refers to our relative mind. And that's our, 
our thinking mind that is interpreting and reacting to human stimulus. So thoughts, feelings, emotions, sensations, and the like. So that, that small mind. We're, we're very, very familiar with that perspective. That's typically where we are residing. But big mind is this consciousness, and I've referred to it several times, as this consciousness that pervades all things and is not altered by what it perceives, by what it sees, hears, tastes, touches. It's unaffected. And sometimes you really have to do some stillness practice to notice that the presence of big mind or this ultimate and pervasive non-dual consciousness is present, always present, always there, always ready, and always seeing, hearing, tasting what we are. So in this comparison to the ocean and waves, we can really think about ourselves as that wave and our relative self, even relative mind, small mind, being a part of that vast ocean that is big mind, that is ultimate, relative comes from ultimate. And there we have the concept of non-dualism. And that means that there is only one thing. There is not it and us. There's not something outside of ourselves that exists without us or accepts us or doesn't accept us. We don't have to beg to be let in. We're already a part of it. There's another Zen saying that says, we cannot see our reflection in running water. It's only in still water that we can see. So we practice and cultivate our, our meditative awareness in a container of stillness for this very reason. So when we can slow down our relative being and just sit and listen to everything, hearing the sounds, experiencing the world through our human nature, but also seeing that this pervasive consciousness is not affected or changed by any of our human experience. It simply just sees, just witnesses. So in a saying that 
In one drop of water are found all the secrets of the oceans. Means that we, the drops, the waves of water, contain all the secrets. We have all of the parts and pieces of the universe, of ultimate reality. We have never been apart from it. We will never be apart from it. And I know that sounds woo-woo at times. I'll admit that. I'm the most anti-woo-woo person that I know. And I joke about that because I, I know that through my spiritual quest, run across a lot of woo-woo. And woo-woo to me is something that just doesn't seem to be real. That I can't take stock in it. That I can't just say yes. That that's the right thing. I understand. Woo-woo seems a bit far-fetched. So I joke when I say woo-woo. And there's some of our practice, some of our, our teachings that take a turn to woo-woo. And that's okay. It's okay and we should always explore for ourselves. Not take my word or anyone else's word. But for yourself, know and understand this vast interconnectedness. Each one of us is something greater than ourselves. The essence of humanity is contained in every human life. Each one of us is something greater than ourselves. Our access is limitless. We're really only limited by our own understanding. So through this practice of stilling the waters, allowing things to be clear. We see that deep inside, we know that all is connected. Logically, we can get to the conclusion. Scientifically, we can get to the conclusion. But none of that really matters until you come to the conclusion. You, through your own investigation, have seen that through stillness that we find this peace, this ease, this part of us that is completely unaffected by whatever we just saw on TV today, whatever's happening in the world around us, whomever hurt us, there's a place within us that is unstained, unaffected. And for me, that gives me a feeling of peace. So for me, I find strength in the resolve that all things are interconnected. That even though there are days I feel very separate, 
that my true nature is interconnected, interdependent, and unfazed by anything that I've experienced. So for me, I feel like that I can always access something that's pristine and natural, not temperamental. So we remember the Buddha's first teaching of the Four Noble Truths. And if you don't know this yet, commit it to memory and do some investigation of your own. First Noble Truth is that suffering, dissatisfaction, disillusion, and discomfort exist. The second truth is that there's a cause for that dissatisfaction and discomfort. Third is that the possibility of that discomfort being relieved is possible. And lastly, through our awareness and the application of wisdom and compassion, we have immediate access all day, every day, to relieve our own suffering. Through awakened awareness, we see that our discomfort comes directly from our attachments. Understanding that, knowing that, we know where to go. You know where to focus your attachments. It may, it may take some contemplation to understand your attachments because they may not feel like attachments. They may feel like love and lust, want, need. They may, you may label them as things that you deserve or have a right to. They're your physical body. They're your relationships. They're the form and the feelings that surround you and your attachment to them. But they're all just part of that vast luminous ocean. They all arise from that vast luminous ocean as well as we do. Every creature, every form, every thought, every sensation, all arising from that ocean. So I encourage you to sit in stillness regularly. Lama Surya Das says daily-ish. <laughs> Do some contemplative work. Look within your own sandbox 
is where you'll find the answers. Thanks to all our great listeners from around the globe. I see you. I hear you. We are all inseparably interconnected. Remember, you must be present to win. Bye now.